Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. All right, welcome in to the latest edition of Hear That Podcast Growling. Paul Daner Jr. and Jay Morrison of The Athletic. Excited to be with you today as we uh, we we enter its, its final four playoff weekend, which is exciting. The Bengals hired a defensive line coach, which is really, it's a thing that happened. It did happen. Uh, <laughs> it did happen. And we've got lots to get to. Jay, how we doing? Doing well. You know, I... You, you talked about Final Four and Conference Championship Week. Which would you prefer, I, or the division round or the, the conference championship? I I think I like the division round just because there's four games. It's that that whole weekend. But I don't know. There's just something special about that that championship Sunday with the, the four best teams. And I'm not sure which I look forward to more. Well, how about this? Six-game wild card fast riser. That was cool. That was uh, divisional has always been the, the four games, but the so part of the glory of the four games was always you had the two teams that had sat out uh, that were just sitting, you know, ready to go uh, back building, if you will. And then but now with you, you get the two seed playing on that opening weekend, you have the six games. It's wall to wall. Uh yeah, I, I I might say that that one is entering the conversation where quick run passer boot. Yeah. Oh, oh, off the top, run passer boot. Uh, wild card, divisional or championship. I'm booting championship. Uh, and I am. I think I'm running with wild card at this point, and and passing on divisional. I you have always been divisional round as best weekend guy, but man, wild card was so much fun this year that I think I think it has just catapulted everything. Yeah, I agree. I, I really enjoyed that, and and I didn't sit there and just watch three games in a row both days, but I did. I caught at least part of every game. Um, and you're right about championship weekend because. You look forward to it and you expect it to be great, but usually it's one game is really good and one sometimes turns into a blowout, and it's it's it ends up being kind of an anticlimactic Sunday. Um, not sure that'll be the case this year, but I'll agree with you. I'm still going to stick with divisional um, and with with the upward arrow on the 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 six game wild card weekend, and, and I'll boot conference championship as well, just because it never lives up to the hype. Yeah, it's still fun. I mean, it's still it fun though, and I st- and I am really looking forward to what should be great games this weekend, uh, especially if Patrick Mahomes plays uh, for the Chiefs. Uh, fun to watch that, but we got Bengals stuff to talk about. So um, I want to. We want to. We're going to kind of talk a little bit today. Is going to be what give the people what they want, Jay. They want offense and they want points, right? So we're going to talk offense today. We're going to talk offensive roster strategy. Offensive roster building, offensive outlook. We're all in on that today. We're gonna we're gonna dive into that. I have a story up on the site now, which is sort of a a, a deep inside look at their plan for fixing the offensive line. Question of the offseason. Number one thing this offseason, how you gonna fix the line? I have ranted about it on here more than I probably should. Uh, but this was sort of more of a specific look at their plot what they're thinking and as far as we know and so i want to we're gonna that's gonna be a major piece of the offense story but if you again reminder if you're not a subscriber uh please go to uh theathletic.com slash hear that podcast ground or just go click on it in the story uh follow on with on twitter just go to theathletic.com and you can subscribe there or come in and take a trial spin with us we'd love to have you on board uh of course we've got incredible content happening all over sports premier league nba is kicking up it's a lot of fun right now you've got uh justin williams recent ohio nsma sports writer of the year justin williams 
Uh, over killing it on UC. Uh, lots of great stuff. Red's getting ready to get going. Trent's getting going there. So you can get all that just for one low price. There's my pitch. I did it. <laughs> uh, so we're going to talk offense. Then we're going to talk a little bit about playoff makeup, divisional makeup. Jay's got lots of sat- stats that I don't think will be super sad. No, I don't think they are sad at all. I think they're encouraging. Jay's got encouraging stats. New hashtag this week. Uh, a good run pastor boot associated with that as well. Um, and some other fun topics. So let's let's start here. Uh, Marion Hobby, let's just get this out of the way. Bengals hired defensive line coach Marion Hobby. Jay, do you have relevant thoughts? Um, I, I think it's significant. I, it's not a. It's not like the Frank Pollock news. It's it's not a needle mover whatsoever. I, I, I would guess maybe ninety five, maybe more percent of our listeners didn't know who Marion Hobby was until Saturday. Listeners, fifty um, percent uh, of this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> 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 there you go. Um, but yeah, I think it is. He's a guy. I mean, he's won a national championship. Um, he was a co-defensive coordinator with Brent Venables, who was one of the best defensive coordinators in college in the country at Clemson. Um, he's been a coordinator elsewhere. I think that's significant. We, when Zach came in here, we talked about how inexperienced Zach is, and a lot of his assistants were his coordinators. Neither one had had coordinator experience, and slowly you're starting to see him bring in some guys with with some higher level experience. They brought in Al Golden last year, linebackers coach, who's been a head coach at the highest level in college at Miami. Um, he's been a coordinator. Um, and, and now you have a, a guy in Marion Hobby who's got coordinator experience. I just I think that can help. That that you you need fresh faces help and experience helps when you're trying to get this thing turned around. Um, so I do think it's it's relevant in that regard. And it can't hurt that that DJ Reader played for Marion Hobby at Clemson and, and having that connection there already where you, you've you got kind of like with the Pollock hire where you you had that handful of linemen and Joe Mixon to, to vouch for this guy um, who a lot of the, the younger people or newer guys on the team didn't know. Um, it's kind of that same situation on the defensive side of the ball where DJ Reader can say, this guy's good. He's no, he knows what he's doing. Um, we've got a good one here. And it just – that it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work out, but it's it's a great start. Yeah, and, and at the end of the day, I mean, I, defensive line co- – I mean, every coach is important in their own right to to motivate, to keep people on board – and you know, make sure guys know what's going on. I mean, I'm I'm not here to diminish, but defensive line man, go get the quarterback right. Here's the thing: he was defensive line coach during the Saxonville team with the Jaguars, mm-hmm. um, and Miami. You know, Miami's defense has really overachieved the last couple of years where he was down there with the Dolphins. So you've got you've got period you've got success that has followed him. And and I, that deserves credit. It's still going to be about getting the players. It's still going to be about personnel. Um, but you know, how much can a defensive line coach like do? I don't know. I guess maybe we'll find out. Maybe we'll we'll find out more. But um, you know, it's sort of one of those things. That, okay, cool, right? Good. Better to have a good one than not a good one. Right. You know. So so we'll we'll run on that. That's that's really the biggest news. Um. Going on elsewhere, uh, the combine is has been canceled. Um, Damn it! In yeah, I know it's really <laughs> sad. I know you really want. There's a you know what I really think right now in the, in the COVID era. You know what I want to do? I want to I want to shove myself into prime at two a.m. like a bunch like sardines. You know that's what I want to do. I want to be with all the, everybody in the NFL. I just want to shove everybody into a bar at two a.m trying to seek information got nothing as if it doesn't sound terrible in a regular year by the way uh you know here we go with this in in a uh in a in a year where we're no one wants to do that all right let's take a break real quick and hear from a sponsor looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24 7 us-based live customer service from discover Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, so let's uh, let's switch gears sort of into the meat of uh, today's podcast. And that means offense. Give the people what they want. Let's talk about offense and points. And look, you know, like I mentioned, the story's out now, um, kind of w- with a deeper dive into the offensive line, and, and that's the question that everybody has, the one that matters the most, the one that will define this offseason for the Bengals, is what do those five guys look like at the start of next season? And how are you going to get from where they're at right now, point A, with, I'll say, one known factor. <laughs> Jonah Williams is going to be in the mix on opening day, right? And after that, I don't know. I don't think you can say anything for sure. And how do you so how do you get from today where we sit with one known factor to five factors that make you very comfortable about the state of the line? It's a it's a real question and one that the key is to me is not betting on projection anymore, not betting on development, not working through growing pains anymore when it comes to this offense, when it comes to Joe Burrow's knee, when it comes to any of it. That's what they've done in recent years. And never more than last year has it backfired more spectacularly. The sense I get organizationally is that is their desire. Their desire is to spend the money on the offensive line and not bet on projection again and use projection and other assets elsewhere. But use the money and get proven players to batten down the hatches on the offensive line. And that should be good news for Joe Burrow. That should be good news for Bengals fans. It's, to me, the obvious direction they have to go. The question is going to be if they can achieve it. The question, too, is when you say proven, like Quentin Spain and Xavier Suofilo, would would you be okay with them at guard? They they are not in that Michael Jordan camp where they're banking on improvement. They've they've got they've played in the league. Um, they they played for the Bengals last year. Um, not a full season either one of them due to injury and then midseason signing, but. I think if if things are built around them, you wouldn't say it's a disaster if those are your two starting guards next year. But I do, I, I feel like they're in a better spot there, um, where you they can go after a tackle first. Everybody would love to see Joe Tooney here, and you wrote about this in the piece. It's it's probably there's that the whole local connection, him coming home a reason why he would consider it, but will the Bengals really open the checkbook for a guard, a guard that's going to be near the near market setter in, in Tooney? It's going to come down to, to tackle. And that's where they, they, they've got to, they've got to get someone right tackle, someone that has experience as much as everybody would love to have Panay Sewell. Do, do you really want to go into this season with, with a rookie 21 year old, by the way, and Jonah Williams is your starting tackles. Now that may be a great set of pillars for years to come, but in 2021, is that the best option? I don't know. And I don't have a problem with drafting for the future. I just you want more security for the present, right? You know, and and that's gonna be you know, that. I, this is certainly not me sitting here saying like you can't take Sewell because you, you know that is, no 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 this is not the point. I mean I think you can still take him and and get a feel for him before you're like all right let's let's do it. You know I mean you can there are ways to ease that. What I'm saying is you know you you, you need to approach the free agency period comes first and you cannot leave yourself needing the tackle at five you need to op- have your board open and the only position that you would draft if be drafting for need would be offensive line 
Because if you get to five, if you're picking at five and free agency was a disaster and you still have a hole or you're still planning on starting Bobby Hart uh, or something of that nature, you have a problem and you have to address it at five. You have to be taking Sewell. I mean, now there's anything wrong with that, but you have to or Slater uh, from Northwestern and Rashawn Slater. And so you're talking about pigeonholing yourself at the top of a draft and that's just not something you can do and the point is it's time to pay guys that have done it okay let's let me, the, the the chart that i have in in here when i went back through this research was startling and it draws such a clear line in the you get what you pay for mold <laughs> i went back to 2013 and where the Bengals ranked in offensive line salary, money paid to offensive line each year. From 2013 to 2016, they ranked 9th, 17th, 7th, and 9th in money paid to offensive linemen in the league. You want to know what they ranked in pass blocking those four years? 2, 5, 8, 15. In run blocking, 11, 5, 23, 14. Top-tier offensive line. Paid for it. Since then, cover your ears, Bengals fans that are fragile. <laughs> they have ranked 31, 20, 16, 24th in pay rank. All in the back half. Pass blocking. This is all PFF numbers. 24, 24, 26, 27. Run blocking. 28, 25, 31, 21. You get what you pay for. Yep. Now, there are exceptions to this rule, right? I mean, you have rookies that play well. Multiple guys on rookie contracts playing well for you. The Bengals tried to do that. Whiff, 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 right? And that's how you end up in the disastrous situation that they're in because – They've bet on projection and lost. They bet on projection and lost in 2015 twice. They bet on projection with Billy Price and lost. They bet on projection trading up for Michael Jordan and lost. Over and over again. And so get what you pay for. It's time to pay for it. There's never a time that's more obvious than now. The optics of Joe Burrow on the ground, the need to protect his knee and what he is and what this offense is so close to being with a real line. You have money to spend. It exists. So that makes it the time to do it. Also, one last thing before I hop off this soapbox. Sorry, Jay. Another long rant. <laughs> is look around. Look at the league. Look at who's playing this weekend. Look who was playing last weekend. Pass block win rate, uh, a new fun next-gen ESPN stat directly tied to how your whole offensive line is doing. Seven of the top eight teams in pass block win rate were playing last weekend. Only one wasn't. This weekend... Offensive line salary that I mentioned earlier, the old get what you pay for. Teams playing this weekend. Packers are third. Bucks are sixth. Bills are eighth. Chiefs are twelfth. Pay them. It's where you need to pay. It's where you need to invest. You need to get proven quantities. If you do, you this is the template, and they're setting it for you right now. Pass efficiency. Pass protection. Pay, get linemen that know what the hell they're doing are the teams that win. And they have the ability to do that if they just invest. It does sound like they're willing to do so. You you kind of touched on it there. I, that was going to be my question when I read your piece this morning. Where do the final four teams over the last five years, or even you go back to 2013 like you don't on your chart, where do they rank in in pay rank? among offensive linemen, and you, you said it there. This year's, they're all right there in the top 12. I wonder, it would be interesting to see and go back further to see where where all those are because this isn't an outlier. That's got to be a common theme where the, the teams that spend on offensive line are the teams that are playing late into January. Um, the other thing, you mentioned the pigeonhole. That is that is a, that is a what the last thing you want going in the draft 
is to be pigeonholed for two reasons. Number one, it forces your hand on who to pick. Number two, and I think the Bengals are going to be in this boat, it greatly reduces your leverage to listen to trade offers. If teams know you're stuck and know exactly what you need, they aren't going to give you quite as much as as what you would get otherwise. Now, maybe if there's still somehow two quarterbacks left at five, um, maybe it doesn't matter what you're looking for. The other teams are going to be so quarterback desperate that you're going to start getting great offers, but it is. It's, it's the last position you want to be in locked in to a certain position group that you have to take in that first round. Yeah, and because – you know, you want play. I mean, in some in some dream scenario where Bengals fans wake up and they're just like, oh, my, I want to go back to sleep. That was fantastic. Right. <laughs> it, it would be Joe Tooney's your right guard. You know, Taylor Moten's your your right tackle. It's the dream scenario. You spend thirty two million dollars on the right side of your line. And you have a competition at left guard between Suafilo, maybe Quentin Spain comes back, Michael Jordan, Jonah Williams is your left tackle, and probably maybe you bring in, maybe you find a decent bargain center, or you run with Billy Price until Trey Hopkins is healthy, whatever that is. And you, that is something to believe in. You draft Jamar Chase right at, at number five, and look at that offense. And then look at the teams playing in the playoffs. Offense, passing game, carrying the day. That is something to stand on the table and believe in. You, you, you don't want to, you know, again, you don't want to look like the Texans and have a totally putrid, disgusting defense that throws everything to the side, but you use everything else to do that. That is something that is, is right there at your fingertips. It's something that's right there at your fingertips if you can pull it off. It doesn't have to be Moat and Tooney. I mean, that's sort of the dream. Everyone's trying to get offensive line. I go into the Moat and thing. It's important to look at him. I do think that that's a guy that the Bengals would be more than willing to throw all the money at. You know, I mean, look, they did it with DJ Reader last year. They did it with Trey Waynes. They overpaid. They proved willing to overpay for what they felt like they needed. And... Would they do that again? I, I do think they would, particularly at right tackle. And so, but the Panthers now have a new GM. Moten is at the top of the to-do list. Joe Person has a great story of, of Scott Fitter's to-do list um, in Carolina. Number two, after they figure out their quarterback situation, <laughs> is figure out their Moten situation. Are they going to tag him? Are they going to try to sign a new extension? Uh, what are they going to do there? Are they going to let him go into free agency and test the waters? If so, Bengals will be standing there with the bags. Uh, and so, but you, then you've got to outbid somebody else too. I mean, he, him, Trent Williams are are a clear top tier, and then after that, you're falling off. I don't think Trent Williams is coming here. Maybe I, not. I, I maybe he is. Uh, he seems to really care a lot about winning. <laughs> <laughs> he was okay. he was willing to sit out to prove it. Yeah, I mean, I just I feel like he's going to go somewhere that's a little more set on the winning thing, uh, but I could be wrong. I could be wrong. So I, I just think you're talking about where what that can look like. Yeah, but there's there's other guys. You get down to a second level of guys that would be an upgrade from Bobby Hart, who they plan to move on from. Um, we've talked a lot about that here in recent weeks. Uh, that six million will go towards this. It's funny. You really look at it—a direct correlation. Geno Atkins and Bobby Hart equals Joe Tooney or Moten. Probably about. You know, it's about. It gives you fifteen million in cap space. Yeah. Direct correlation. Are you going to get more out of one of those two guys than you would get out of Geno and Bobby Hart next year? Definitely. Yes. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> So, but I, the question becomes: Where do you go after that? And, and there, we're going to see a lot of cap casualties. Keep an eye on that this year. There are a gazillion teams on the wrong side of the cap right now mm-hmm. that are going to be cutting the Saints. Everybody you saw play for the Saints this weekend probably going to be on a free agent. <laughs> <laughs> They're ninety nine million dollars on the wrong side of the cap. They have to basically cut everybody, and that's with Drew Brees retiring to to get. To the right side. I mean, there's, there's, you, you just look around the league. There's going to be a lot of guys out there that we're not even talking about yet. So there's going to be options. But the point is, they need a new right tackle and a new right guard that have proven successful in this league starting on opening day. And I think that's what they want. 
And I mean, that's, that's what they're going to get. I, you, you laid it out. I mean, it just, it, it makes, we saw what they did last year. It, it's not same old Bengals. They, they've got the money to be active in free agency. Um, they know what they have to do. You're right. I mean, I think Bengal fans, it, you, you could be waking up from a dream on March 18th, 19th, whenever. I think March 17th is the first day of free agency. Um, if, if I remember right, uh, that it's two months away. And it could be very interesting for this franchise. I think we were kind of surprised last year when we thought linebacker was going to be the direction they would go and, and things happened and it, that didn't end up being the case. That's not, I don't think there's going to be surprises this year. It's, it's pretty laid out. It's, it's going to be offensive line that they're going to target. And it's just a matter. The only surprise might be like you said, a cap casualty that nobody expected to be available that they land. But the, the path is it's, it's right there. It's there's, it's, the Bengals know they need to take it, and all indications are they will. Yeah, I mean, there always can be surprises in free agency. Certainly, I mean, you you know, a guy move, goes somewhere else, somebody else outbids you that you weren't expecting out of nowhere. Whatever it is, you know, you got to be ready with Plan B, C, and D, and I and I think that's always possible. Um, and perhaps one of those plans is well, crap. We 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 missed out on free agency on these guys, so we had to spend. We went and signed whatever Shaq Barrett or whoever on defense uh instead and we're just gonna have to use that number five on a tackle like that's just what it's gonna be and you know we'll 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 have that be enough and hope that Slater or Sewell pans out if that's where they end up and and so be it I mean you could get behind that too it's a little scarier Mm -hmm. certainly and it's not ideal but if that's where you know things happen in free agency, and there's just everybody wants linemen, there's not a lot of good ones out there. So, and an interesting thing, you know, I've kind of when you when another thing to remember, and people get obsessed with the star, right? Like, oh, just you know, like the Dallas Cowboys line, right? Just nothing but first round picks that all make sixteen million dollars, whatever. I mean, and that's great. That's rare. That's hard to put together. The point is, and the numbers bear this out, right? This is a, this is a pro football focus favorite. You're better off to have five average linemen than three stars and two donkeys, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the key, you, you, because those are the guys that kill you. It's you. You want five guys that grade out in the high sixties, low seventies is way better than. Two nineties or two eighties, and then two or three dudes down in the fifties. Uh, and so the key is to find a certain level of competency that's not Bobby Hart, that's not insert every name that basically played right guard this year. You know, a, a level of competency and skill that you can count on, particularly to pass protect and to maybe be able to move people a little bit. Um, and that's. That's the point. So you're not, if you don't spend where you're all of a sudden you're spending $50 million on your offensive line in total, that's okay. The point is you just, at that point though, you better be at least average across the board um, and not be trying to find projection answers like you were last year. And and so it's, that's going to be the interesting to watch how that all plays out. Um, the other thing, you know, and we talked a lot about this with Pollock. I just want to mention it because it is part of the story too. Is the run is is the just the lack of run game? We've talked about this in recent weeks. I, I went back and looked just yards per carry by bank, by running backs alone, okay, and where the Bengals have ranked three of the last four years, they've been in the bottom quarter of the league in yards per carry by running backs, you know, and when you when you have a when you're a team with Joe Mixon or whatever, like that's. Not good. The only year was they were 10th with the year of Frank Pollock at 4.6 by Bengals running backs. Recreating that with Pollock also a big part of this situation up front, which you detailed a lot last week. Yeah, well, that's what I was going to say, too, about when you were talking having five average guys. That That's fine. That's a great starting point. And then it's on Frank to, to develop those guys and make them better. Now, maybe if it's an average guy in year five, six, one of these free agents they sign that's already – well into his career, that's a little different because you are kind of what you are at that point. But yes, if you're gonna if you're gonna have some of these younger, like a Michael Jordan or some of these younger guys, that's 
that's what that's when it comes down onto Frank to develop these guys. And that's a part of the reason Jim Turner's not here anymore either, is you just never really saw that growth from any of the the young linemen that came in under him. So the 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 five average linemen is is a uh, an important thing to remember because it, you could have you, you said three even if you have four and one donkey, it, <laughs> it only takes that one weak link to to wreak havoc and and result in a hit like we saw on Joe Burrow that just throws everything into chaos. So yes, spend the money there, be solid, get rid of the donkeys, and everything will be fine. <laughs> Cue the cue the donkey sounder, right? We have do we have any of those? I mean, anytime we start, we we're gonna need those for next year if they don't fix this. We're gonna have to we're gonna have to invest in a donkey sounder so we have it. Just a random hee haw every time something goes terrible. I'll just stop real quick and take a little break. I want to get into my offensive tiers at other positions. So I've kind of this story will be coming out. It's not out yet. Um, it, it did this last year, and, and it's a. I like to do this to take a big picture look at the roster, and kind of divide every player into a category: future core player, a complementary part, essentially good for twenty twenty one, but not a not a core star. Uh, needs to improve, which means on the bubble for next year. So you're you're going to be you know no guarantees, not not anything you're certain of there. A free agent decision. And parting ways. So free agent decision, there's still hope to bring them back. Uh, parting ways means it's it's over, that they're going to be gone. And to go through that at every position. Well, some of them are easier than others. It's good to be able to start with Joe Burrow. Like first name, you don't want to – I don't have to write a lot. I'm the first guy <laughs> in these. You know, It's going to be a long piece. There's 65 guys between offense and defense. Because so I include everybody that's on the roster at the end of the season and injured reserve and the two opt-outs. 65 was that number. It's never good when you're sitting down with the cursor blinking at you and you're like, I have to write about 65 guys. All right, here we go. Um, <laughs> 100 words on each guy. and <laughs> Oh, good. 100 <laughs> words on every guy. Good Lord. I mean, I know we're the athletic, but cry. <laughs> let's, not give Dave, uh, let's not give my editor a, a heart attack here. Um, Dave, I promise you haven't seen it yet. It's, it's not 100 words on every guy. Um, it's a couple sentences, and it's good to start with Joe Burrow with a nice short one. Yeah, he's the guy, right? So I put him, I went on a limb and put him in the future core. <laughs> I think he <laughs> probably belongs there. And so then you go free agent decision. Brandon Allen's a UFA. Um, you know, I I I think that they will find a way to resign him and and have him be here as the backup quarterback. The the confidence that the team has it, that developed in him and seeing him play the way he did, you know, in some of those games, play really well is really important because even if you're a guy with some skins on the wall, so to speak, as a free agent quarter, one, you're going to be more expensive than Brandon Allen. And two, you know, there's still going to be a period of these guys have never seen them do it. Well, at least with Brandon Allen, like they see, I don't know, man, I seen this dude make some throws. That game against Houston, he was dropping dimes all over the field. I think he can go win some games. That belief is really important if you're looking for a backup quarterback who can win you a couple of games. So I think that can, I mean, and then Ryan Finley, I think he'll, he'll be back because he's under contract. But I have him under needs to improve. I mean, I think there's a pretty good chance he gets cut next year. Mm-hmm. Um, at this, I mean, I, I don't know how you can go through a season like this where you get demoted and kind of all that stuff that happened and think that you're even part of the plans that's worth a roster spot. Yeah, and you would think that COVID isn't going to be the issue in 2021, at least when the season starts that it was this past year where you're going to have to keep that that third quarantine quarterback. I just – I agree there. And with Brandon Allen, I mean, that is important. Not just can he win you games, but he can he can be a relief pitcher. We saw this weekend how quickly things can change. I mean, a bad snap and Lamar Jackson gets a cut concussion off of it. He's out for the rest of the game. Patrick Mahomes gets his concussion. He has to leave for the rest of the game. Now, who knows? Maybe had Baltimore won, maybe Lamar could have come back the following week. Um, Kansas City, we don't know if, if Patrick Mahomes is going to come back, but Anything, it doesn't have to be a catastrophic knee injury like we saw Burrow have this year. Any little thing like that can happen. And if you've got a guy that you have confidence in that can come in like a Chad Henney and and either lead you 
to a win if you're ahead or bring you back from behind to a win. That That's huge. Um, and he, he did. I think Brandon Allen was one of the biggest surprises this year. And they need to do everything they can to bring him back. And I think he will. I think he will want – he'll have an interest in coming back. I don't – and I wouldn't have a problem with them going and get somebody with a little bit more of a pedigree that, you know – is, is going to be out there. I don't have a problem with that. The thing is, I mean, you, you start upping the cost of what that mm-hmm. will be. And they have – the other thing about talking about how much money the Bengals have and, you know, by the time they cut all the contractual fat and everybody else in the league does too, they'll be in the top five, top ten um, in space. But they also – there's a, actually a, a great graph that I retweeted yesterday of free agent – snaps how many snaps you got out of guys that are now free agents versus cap space available uh yeah they have a lot of money but they also have a ton of free agents <laughs> and a ton of guys that played for them this year that are not under contract they're gonna have to fill those spots so having a lot of money is is fine and to say that but unlike last year they have a lot of literally starting holes that they need to sign somebody, even if it is re-signing their own guys that they don't have under contract. So that's a big part of this thing too is so yeah, they'll have maybe more money or the same money, but uh, they have more things they need to do with it. So if you are going to spend $5 million on a backup quarterback um, compared to one, one or two for Brandon Allen, you know, that's, that's one less guy. That's going to be a contributor, even a starter for you um, elsewhere out there, whether defense, offense, wherever. Uh, right. Let's go running back. Um, this one was, I won't say fairly easy. So the, the interesting one here, the rest are obvious. Um, free agent decision on Samaj P. Ryan, and uh, he, he's UFA. I think they like him. This feels like the year they draft another running back in in that mm-hmm. they're going to try try to, for it to not be Mark Walton this time in the fourth <laughs> round. <laughs> Mark! 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 <laughs> uh, so they're going to try for it to not be Mark Walton, but maybe maybe actually find a real guy in that third, fourth round range as a running back um, that can really give you something dynamic beyond Mixon and beyond Bernard eventually. Um, it, and then Travion Williams, I mean, you know – he needs a great preseason next year to stick around. I mean, the 55-yard run he had was is fine. It's great. Maybe he has something there. But, I, I, you know, we've still gone two years. We haven't really seen him. Is that his fault? Not necessarily. He really could use a preseason. Um, but I do think they – I do see a, a day three, early day three pick going on a running back. just feels like the year for that. Um, the question is Giovanni Bernard. And I think, yeah. you know, we, we, we look at this – uh, on paper, right? Take the name, take the personality, take everything else out of it. On paper, a running back who's going to be 30, you know, entering his ninth season, who would save you $5 million. We just got to talking about what you could do with that money. Would say, you know, you're $4 million, almost no dead money. It's the last year of his deal. All that says, oh, yeah, we should, you should cut that guy, pocket that money, and use it on somebody younger elsewhere, draft a running back. There you go, right? I don't see that. I don't see that. Not in the way they view Gio. Not the way that they felt he meshed with Burrow when they kind of had it going. Don't forget when the offense was kind of cooking there midseason, it was with Gio. It was with Gio out of the backfield and and as a pass protector and and doing all that stuff and the game winning touchdown pass, you know, against the Browns and all that stuff. Is he a dynamic running back? No, but in that role that fits Burrow in this offense, he's a nice fit. He's a leader. He's at the he's done everything right. He's he's at the core of who they want their team to be, and they really believe in that stuff. And for that reason, plus this organization does not just kick those types of guys out to the curb, even when they aren't probably going to play much. I, I think he's I, he's not going to be a guy they would get rid of. I, I I would be stunned if they did. Yeah, well, the other thing is his birth certificate says he's 30, but his stat sheet does not. He does not have the wear and tear of a 30-year-old running back. I mean, for years, people have been screaming, why don't they use Giovanni Bernard more? Um, so that I, I think that kind of negates the age piece of it, and you're right. He's For a guy like Zach that's come in preaching culture and character from day one, 
he's a guy that he's he's more important. Not to say more important, but he's as important in the locker room as he is on the field. And I don't see them parting ways with him. And I like him in that role. The, the, to me, the problem they ran into, and why I said the year they take a guy is they didn't have that third guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, P. Ryan and Williams are just uninspiring, right? They didn't have that third guy where if Mixon gets hurt, he can do more of carrying the load, and you can still kind of keep Geo in his role. I think that's the role he needs to be. That other guy, the third guy, needs to be more dynamic. And you can find those guys in the draft, and that's great. Anywhere so, in the draft. Anywhere in the draft. Give me round four. Give me round five running back, okay? Plot that guy in there as your third, and okay, and then and then you can let him. Let's see what happens there. And so, if something happens to Mixon or to Bernard, and, and perhaps that guy can be the future Giovanni Bernard in twenty twenty two, you have, you know, you have that. But that was Geo was not the problem. Uh, P Ryan and Williams were more the problem when Mixon went out because you shouldn't feel forced to make Geo carry the load. That is where you run into the issue. Um, you're, you're much more limited in that case, whereas if he's still in his role, you're happy there. And I think that's how they view it. Um, all right, let's go to wide receiver. Uh, future core. It's nice to have two players in a future core. Uh, Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins. Uh, Boyd signed through 23. Higgins signed through 23. That's, that's, that's nice. That's yes. nice to have that. And Mixon through 24. I guess you, Boyd, Higgins, Mixon, your core pieces for the next three, four years. You know, Burrow. Burrow. All, all four of those guys. You know, and so then, you know, we, we talked about then if you throw the star rookie in there, uh, boy, all, now your skill positions are going to grow together for multiple years because they're all together. And that's a fun thing to think about if you look at that. Um, so those are obvious, future core obvious there. I mean, Higgins is, is a legit number one, will be a legit number one next year. If you look at the career arc of those types of guys that put up his numbers and play the way he did as a rookie, they 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 continue to blow up and ascend in years two and three. Uh, so you, you love where you're at there. Uh, complimentary piece, Auden Tate is entering his contract year. Uh, they love the way he plays, obviously. Um and the things he does, he's just, it's a dirty work guy, you know? Mm-hmm. I love Auden Tate as your fourth, fifth receiver. Dirty work, has advantages, a big body in spots, you know, can do certain things that other guys can't. Can can play extra snaps for you in a pinch if you need it, but just comes in there mm-hmm. and does all that stuff that other guys aren't necessarily willing to do. So then you get into a lot of free agent decisions. Uh, Alex Erickson, Mike Thomas, both are UFAs. And then parting ways, A.J. Green, John Ross. We've talked about that stuff ad nauseum. We know they're leaving. Um, and that's kind of your group. Erickson, Thomas, uh, what do you think, Jay? I don't know. The, the thing with Erickson is always the what he brings in the return game. And he he has had some fumbling issues. Um, you know, I know Darren loves him. I could see him coming back. I, it's not like another team is going to come in and offer him a ton of money. Um, I think they can, they can get him relatively cheap to keep around as an extra piece. I think Mike Thomas has more upside, but I don't know if they saw enough from him this year to, to bring him back. Um, the, the interesting one I, that you haven't mentioned yet, I still think is Stanley Morgan. He's so valuable on special teams. Um, I, I'm, I'm assuming you're going to have him in the needs to improve category as far Correct. as the, as a as a receiver, but you you can have a guy like that as your six or your seven if he's you know, going to be able to to contribute on special teams that that makes him a little more valuable. And, and Stanley is a good gunner, um, so yeah, I, I I think Stanley will well he is under contract so he'll be back. But among the free agents, I I, could, I think Erickson is is more likely than Mike Thomas to be back next year and. Not necessarily. That's not a guarantee that he's going to make the fifty-three man roster, but I can see them giving him a, a one-year deal uh, and keeping him around for just another season. I think any of those guys coming back on a one-year deal have a chance of not making it, though. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like that. I think you will see action there in the back of that room a little bit, uh, whether it be draft pick, whether it be 
you know, some quality bargain receiver guys. We've talked a lot about that market. It's just going to be so saturated. So many receivers. So many receivers in the draft. So many receivers in free agency that are quality. You're really going to find good bargain there. Um, You'll be undrafted guys that bubble up that surprise you. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, So there's just a lot of potential there to fill that room out pretty easily. And that's something to keep in mind because I think you've got one, two, and four. One, two, and five. It's pretty easy to find three and four. Easier to find three and four, and you can even hit the aggressive button. Uh, you know, if you end up taking a receiver at the top, not in free agency, you wouldn't. You wouldn't be going after an Allen Robinson or a Kenny Galladay. I mean, you're not. You're not going to be spending there. But again, I'm gonna. I, I'm gonna. Maybe I'm gonna make it a goal to mention Josh Reynolds every single <laughs> podcast between now and free agency. Keep watching Josh Reynolds. Just saying. Graham uh, connection. Yeah, the connection is is <laughs> so easy to see. Um, all right, so let's wrap it up here with tight ends. Um, I have CJ still in the in the future core, which. Achilles makes me nervous. Um, and he's another guy. Him and Gio are kind of in the same bucket. Older. Um, maybe you'd want to upgrade their contract turns. He's he's in a contract year. You could, you know, you're saving um five million dollars if you let him go with almost no dead money. But he's that core leader guy. And he played really well. I mean, he they really he was good in camp. He was good early in the season last year. He, he really was good in 2019. Mm-hmm. They really felt he was underused. And I, I really thought that the arrow was really headed up for him in this offense with Burrow. And it's a shame that it was sort of cut short. You just hope that the Achilles injury isn't too serious. Yeah, you, that's one of those ones you never know about. I, I, I think I think you feel better about an ACL than you do. Uh, and Achilles, there's just yeah. more guys that have come back and and been closer to them, their old selves, or even better. Achilles, and you've, we've seen it. We saw Leon Hall. It, it's it's weird how you know one goes and then it's it's not. There's not a correlation there, but it does happen where, where the other one will pop. Um, it's just it's I, I don't know how guys play like that with that in the back of their mind, knowing that the one they just rehabbed or the other one can go at any time. You can't play that way. You can't think that way. But it, it has to be in the back of their mind when they're sitting around watching film or any any time working out. Um, so that is that is a a big concern. But I think it's mitigated by the fact that the Drew Sample really kind of we've seen he's not. He hasn't lived up to that second round billing yet, but we have seen ascension. He he is getting better each year, um, so I, I think that does kind of ease some of the concerns with you know whether CJ can continue to be that guy. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned Leon Hall. I miss Leon Hall. I I loved watching him play football. He was yeah. so smart and such a great corner. Um, when Leon Hall popped his Achilles the first time, he was the same age as C.J. Uzama. I'm trying to do the math on top of my head. He's born in 84, 28. I mean, it, in that 2012 season, Leon Hall was incredible. Yep. He was so good. It was his best season. And that includes, I mean, 09, he was, I mean, he, but that was his, to me his best in coming off an Achilles in his late 20s. When he had another Achilles injury was part of what did him in. And, that's why I think if you're CJ, you you know you you look at something like that. I mean, it it, ha- it happens and guys come back and still play great. Um, and you hope that you're going to get that out of him this year, and then you see where he's at. Maybe he comes back if he does continue to look good, and you you resign him, and you worry about that going forward. But one more year, I think he's still there. Drew Sample, I think, proved himself to be a complimentary piece. Mm-hmm. He's a nice second tight end. Um, he can give you something in the run game. He's he's serviceable in the pass game. Um, people are going to continue to bring up his second round draft pick status. I'm just not going to use that against him. I mean, I think he's he's a solid second tight end for anybody, um, and and you like what he is, particularly on a rookie contract. Uh, Seathan Carter is a UFA. They're going to work really hard to resign him and not lose him like they did Clayton Fendulum because um, he's their best special teams player has been, and they need to, they want to keep him around. Uh, I I think that we'll see a, a, another tight end show up somehow, whether it be draft, bargain, free agent, whatever that is, um, probably in in the mix. 
Mason Shrek wasn't really it when he came in this year. He didn't really have any any impact. So I think that kind of sets a little bit of the template for offense. So we're set there because they want to have an offense that looks like some of these that are playing this weekend, you know? And it's efficient passing games and moving the ball. That's to, that's what the game is. Those are the teams that, pl- that are still playing and have been still playing for years. Have a top passing offense, and you'll probably be playing in the playoffs. It's just the bottom line. Um, Jay, you've got stats, and uh, I think they'll be fun for Bengals fans. I do. Actually, I've got two categories here. The first one might not be as fun. Matter of fact, I know it's not, but it was interesting. I I looked since 2002 when they went to this current divisional alignment of of eight divisions, four teams each, uh, how many – how many teams finished in last place in a division where the other three teams made the playoffs? Um, how long did it take for those teams to, to get to the playoffs? Because it's it's one thing to go from last place to the playoffs. It's another thing to do it when all three teams ahead of you are good playoff teams. Um, it takes a while. And it, it, it happened seven times. And the average it took was 3.85 seasons for that last oh. place team. But that's mitigated by the fact that the two longest tenures on that that run are the 2011 Browns. Took them nine years to get into the playoffs this year. And then the 2014 Browns took them six years. And in 11 and 14, the Bengals, Ravens, and Steelers all made the playoffs. Um, if you're looking for a more encouraging uh, in 2006, Washington was the only team in the NFC East that didn't make the playoffs. They were in the playoffs the next year. Uh, in 2007, same division, three teams make the playoffs. Philadelphia was the lone team out very next year. They're back in the playoffs. So it can be done. It can be done in a quick turnaround. Um, the, the, the more relevant thing, I think, is I, I looked at teams that have gone from last place to the playoffs regardless of who the teams above them are and how they performed. Um, there's, If you look at from 2003, because it, it can't happen in 2002, that was the first year of the alignment. So from 2003 to 2020, that's 144 last place teams. How many do you think made the playoffs the following Ooh. year? I will say 19. 35. That's 24%. You've got basically a one in four chance. Um, It's it's happened in 16 of the 18 seasons. At least one team has gone from fourth place to the playoffs. The only years it didn't happen was 2019, 2014. Uh, Washington, the most recent team to do it. They were last place last year. Of course, they had the number two overall pick. They end up winning the division this year. So, if you look at the eight teams that finished in last place this year, I did kind of a power ranking on which ones I think are most likely to make the playoffs in 2021. And I've got the Bengals two of those eight. The, the last the, the, the last place teams this year, Jets, Bengals, Jaguars, Broncos, Eagles, Lions, Falcons, 49ers. I put the 49ers first. They were in the they were in the Super Bowl last year. Oh yeah. Um they may end things, up with Stafford or something. I mean, you know. Yeah. We'll see what happens to their quarterback situation. I think they could make an aggressive play there. But after them, I think the Bengals have the best chance of all the last place teams to to make that run next year. I, I had Broncos third on the list just because I, I like Vic Fangio as a coach. Uh they were five and eleven last year. Um, even though they're in the Chiefs division. Um Drew Locke. Well, who knows what they do this year? How they, who they end up with as a quarterback? <laughs> but you, I mean, you got the Raiders, you got the the Chargers. Those, those aren't huge hills to climb. Um, so yeah, I, I got I have them third, and then I had the Eagles fourth. That's still a a, a decent roster. Um, you're getting a new new head coach. Who knows what kind of turnaround he Ugh. can play? And it's the NFC. Carson East. Wentz. I mean, Carson Wentz is broken. Well, you maybe. think they're going to come in and fix Carson? To me, I just look at the quarterbacks. If they, if somebody can come in and fix Carson Wentz, then the Eagles are near the top of this. But to me, they're not. I, I look. I have long told you uh, that I think the Lions are the NFC Bengals. Okay, <laughs> but, but at least they have for now. They have Matt Stafford. Uh, 
right? Uh, even if they made it uninspiring hire at head coach. The Falcons won some games towards the end of the season, so maybe they can put something together. They have Matt Ryan. And Julio. Right? I mean, so I I look at the quarterback situation. The Jaguars are going to have Trevor Lawrence. I think it'll take Urban some time. I'm intrigued by that. But I think it's harder than give it credit for. I think the Eagles are further back because I think Wentz is, is a better chance that he's totally broken than he's salvaged. The but Broncos, look at that Drew Locke. Look at the NFC East is easier to get into the playoffs than than those True. other divisions. That's why I had them as high as I, I think did. Washington's on the rise. I mean, I think uh, uh, the Giants Dallas will be messy. back. The, the, the Giants are feeling good about Joe Judge. That could be good in his second year. Dallas, you know, they'll have Dak back. Mm-hmm. So I, I think I think it's going to be harder than it was this year. I don't know. I, I, I yeah, San Francisco. I think is the clear one. I you know I'd have I'd be tempted. Yeah, I think the Bengals are in the top three. Uh, I'd be tempted. I don't know if I have them two or not. I, I I would think about even putting the Jaguars if Trevor Lawrence pops on the scene and is just the man. Like you could see the Jags win some games. They got a ton of cap space. They could add a bunch of guys. Um, Trevor Lawrence could be the the real deal immediately, uh, and, and they could do something. I'm intrigued by the Lions. Can I talk about the Lions real quick though? Yeah, I'd love to hear it. So. This is just great. We we really have to do the podcast with Chris Burke and the Detroit people. <laughs> it's unbelievable the, the, the fact that these two cities are the exact same thing. Detroit and Cincinnati just need to come together and, and accept it and become like sister brother cities like Bengals and Bills, right? I mean, it is unbelievable. They hired Dan Campbell, who is an assistant, tight ends coach, assistant head coach, um, of the Saints. He's got kind of a weird background. But, you know, the most prominent part of his background, Jay, uh, do you want Do you want to know? Is it his interim head coach? It is his interim head coach. You want to know on what team he was the interim head coach? Everybody's favorite, the <laughs> 2015 Miami Dolphins. How is this possible that these two teams – Continue to do things like this. So the Bengals hired Zach Taylor a couple of years ago, who on the 2015 Miami Dolphins, where everyone was fired, was blown out, got his biggest piece of experience as an offensive coordinator filling in, under head coach Dan Campbell and defensive coordinator Lou Anarumo. Uh, Mark Duffner was also on that <laughs> club as a coach, who's currently still with the Bengals now. Uh, of course, you know the Jim Turner connection from that team originally. I mean... An inexperienced guy whose biggest piece of experience came with the 2015 Disaster Dolphins is going to coach the Lions, who are basically just the Bengals. All that needed to happen, they should have just hired Marvin Lewis and knocked down their indoor practice facility, and they would be the Bengals. Sister cities. Sister. <laughs> just, I mean, next year, Bengals-Lions, yes. uh, that is on the schedule. We are going to do this. We have to. We're going to go. We're going to get Trent. We're going to get the Detroit Tigers writer. You know, we're going to get everybody. We're going to bring everybody in and talk about the wild connections between these two seasons. Detroit hasn't won a playoff game since 91. Bengals since 90. Two by far the longest droughts out there. Nobody's winning anything on in any sport, at least in the two, in the two big ones. And it's and there's there's a complex that comes with that. Read Chris Burke. I cannot stop reading Chris Burke because I feel like I'm just reading my own writing. <laughs> it's like the the way the relationship between the fans and the team and just the frustration with ownership and and they were all excited about this big hire and, uh, and now they're all mad and disappointed. Man, it's it's just it's phenomenal. Anyway, another correlation there. I, I don't know if you saw. I tweeted this out yesterday because I, I saw you know Tom Brady going to his 14th conference championship game, and I was thinking, man, I wonder how many franchises even have that many. Uh, the answer is four: the Steelers and 49ers, 16; the Patriots, 15; Cowboys, 14. Tom Brady, 14 conference championship appearances, has more than every other team in the league, and at the bottom of that list, well, Texans have none, but they they haven't been around as long. But Lions with one, Bengals with two. There yeah. they are again, side by side. <laughs> side by side, holding hands. <laughs> you know, and Joe Burrow, Matt Stafford. Yeah. Does that sound familiar? 
Number nine. Quality SEC quarterback goes number one overall to bad franchise. Bro, hoping it doesn't end up like Stafford and he's still searching for a playoff win in year. What is Stafford in 07, 13? Jeez. (laughs) (laughs) All right. That's really enough, isn't it? Have we done enough? We shouldn't have done that to him. We we started off so positive. (laughs) Hey, you know, you never know. You never know. All right. Hope everybody enjoyed offense. Defense next week. We'll hop in on defense. Senior Bowl uh, is right around the corner. Senior Bowl will be kicking up next week. Bengals will have their stat. You know, everybody can only send 10 down there. Uh, so they'll have basically their core coordinators in there and their top part of their scouting staff. Um, <laughs> I know. I hear you. Isn't that their whole scouting staff? <laughs> yeah, I know. I get it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> all, everybody will be down there. Uh, big week, you know, no combine, these regional pro days and stuff. Senior Bowl added importance. I'm going to try to get some semblance of uh, eyeballs on these guys because you just don't know how many you're actually going to be able to truly see and get to talk to and and things like that. So big week for everybody down at the Senior Bowl in Mobile. Um, that will be going on next week too. So we'll have defense, some Senior Bowl stuff, hopefully much, much more as we continue through the offseason. Uh, again, please subscribe. up all over the place on all the off-season stuff that's going to continue and keep projecting everything that's going on so theathletic.com slash you that podcast growling you can go through there or just anywhere on the athletic click through any of our links uh and subscribe at that point all right thanks everybody for listening we will talk to you next week have a good one everybody